Good morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, we are going to be in um, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our series um, on uh, this book that uh, this guy named Matthew, uh, tax collector, I think. You know, there's different opinions, but most people agree. Uh, that this guy, Matthew, the tax collector, um, uh, wrote these things that he saw Jesus do and say. He wrote them down uh, for us because he wants us to know something about Jesus. He's already told us about his interesting birth and his interesting uh, um, promises that surround him, his interesting names, uh, that he's going to bring salvation to his people, salvation for their sins, that he is God with us. He's brought all of these things to our attention very early on. And now we're, starting in Matthew 5, we're getting to hear this Jesus teach for the first time. And he's gone up on this mountain, and uh, he's been going around healing people and, and teaching. Uh, but finally, he goes up on this mountain, and he sits down, uh, and a bunch of people gather around him, and he begins to teach them. And we get what's called, uh, what we call today, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah? Pretty good name for a guy, a sermon given on a mountain. And so he goes up on the mountain, gives this sermon, and it opens with this, these beatitudes, and, and then moves into this thing about righteousness. And it's just this really, really beautiful, beautiful thing. Today, we're actually in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's actually the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is... Uh, the Lord's Prayer. I, I, that seems, I don't think that was an accident, right? The, the middle of the middle of the middle of this great sermon is, the, is this prayer. Um, so uh, Jesus has been in, uh, teaching and moving us, uh, it, telling us what the kingdom is like. He's been talking about the kingdom. Matthew kind of summarizes Jesus' teaching under the heading, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So he's been going around saying, hey, turn from anything that distracts you, anything that takes you away from God, and instead turn and focus on God, who he is and what he has done, and, and, and give your life to him. So turn away from all manner of things, because the kingdom of heaven's nearby. It's at hand. And so uh, he's been teaching this and, and what it means to turn and what it means to be near God's kingdom. Uh, his, God's rule, his authority, uh, what God is like and what he is doing. It's this kingdom that Jesus is describing is, I'm 100% convinced, uh, the life that we're looking for. <laughs> the thing that's always right out of reach, the thing that's, uh, 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 Lewis said it this way, C.S. Lewis said it this way, uh, famously, he said, um, maybe the reason that we can't find Satisfaction. Maybe the reason that it always feels just out of reach, the life that we're looking for, is because we were made for a different life. You know? This world can't satisfy us because we were created for a different world. You know? And so this kingdom that he's talking about, this is the world that we were created for. It's why his satisfaction and fulfillment always feels just out of reach in this life. And so he's going around and he's teaching about this, but it's very challenging teaching because it's just so upside down and backwards from anything that we would expect. He says this kingdom is available uh, um, not to people who are super spiritually healthy, but actually to those who know that they're spiritually bankrupt, that have no life. That's who has access to this kingdom because uh, they know. It's not for those who are super righteous, those who are like living this amazing righteous life. As a matter of fact, it's for those who long for a righteousness they know they don't have. Right? So this is just backwards. It doesn't make any sense to any other kind of religious thought that we would have. Uh, and so he, he's just, just struggling. As a matter of fact, it, he says near the end of this talk about righteous, uh, the, the Beatitudes, he kind of goes in this, this section. He says, as a matter of fact, I, I'm not getting rid of all the, the, the law. I'm not saying the law is bad. I'm filling it up. And what you need to know about the law is that it was always pointing you to a deeper righteousness than you could ever have on your own. 
Uh, and he gives these six examples, and the six examples all point kind of the same thing. They all follow the same pattern. You guys think that a righteousness is not lo- doing these things. And I'm telling you, righteousness, real righteousness, the righteousness that you have to have to be a part of this kingdom, is for people who don't even want to do those things, whose heart is different, right? It's not people who don't murder. It's people who aren't even angry in their heart. It's not people who don't commit adultery. It's those who don't even lust in their heart, right? It's, it's about our heart condition, right? That's the righteousness we're talking about. And he ends in chapter five by, after giving these six examples of what this deeper, greater righteousness looks like. Uh, he, he ends that chapter by saying, like, yeah, like you need to go be perfect, like God is perfect, right? Ooh, heavy. But this idea that he's been pushing on us is that there's a righteousness that is the, the, the word that, that uh, uh, Bible nerds use, uh, theology nerds use is alien righteousness, a righteousness that exists outside of us that we somehow get credited with, right? That's where he's pushing us, is that we get a righteousness from him. This is the beautiful, beautiful story. And then we get to chapter six. Uh, after he says, be perfect because the father's perfect, we get to chapter six, and this is what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corner that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. And you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. you do you ever think about, um, this might just be like me getting older, you know what I mean? Thing, I don't know. You ever think about why you do the things that you do? Maybe, maybe finally like asking that to other people finally broke through. It's like, why are you doing that? And you're like, why am I doing the things that, that I'm doing? You know what I mean? Like maybe like I was like, oh, maybe I should ask myself this question, you know? Uh, why do you do the things that you do? Uh, what is it that motivates you? What, what, I guess what it is 
What's it that's what's important to you, right? Is what motivates us probably. And it's weird, right? It's different for different people. Like what we hold tightly to, right? Versus what just runs through our fingers is different for different people. Like we just have different things that we care about as humans. It's interesting. Um, uh, that shows up uh, if you ever have to live with someone else, right? If you ever have to live in a house with someone else, like it shows up that we want different things, right? Like I, I in college, I had to live with, with uh, someone. I valued having a kitchen clean. They did not. It was a problem. And then I married someone who had a different definition of what a clean kitchen is. It is a problem. It's different levels, it turns out. I value clear spaces. Empty, like I like to take a thing, like the clearest space, and go, this is now, this tool bench that I've just cleaned off is where work will be done when work needs to be done in this empty space that I've cleaned. As soon as there's a clean space for me to do work, my family gets in a car, they drive around the neighborhood and pick up trash out of people's front yards. And they bring it back and they just dump it in the space that I cleaned out. I don't know why they do it. I, it drives me sad. They just go straight to the dollar store, buy everything they can, and just fill up the empty space I created. Because they don't value the empty space like I do. It's just we want different things. And, like I'll hold, and I'll just lose my mind. I'm like, what have we done? And, 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 and it's, we just, you're living in a house with different people that they're like, what does it matter? And I'm like, why does it matter that we put stuff there? And I'm like, because that was where I was keeping my sanity. My sanity was in that spot, and you keep filling it with junk. But we, we, we value things differently. And, and, and coming into contact with other humans points that out. Like some of us value um, money, and some of us, it just runs through our fingers. Some value our reputation at work, and for some of us, that just runs through our fingers. Some of us hold very tightly to relational capital, and for some of us, for some reason, it just runs through our fingers. Isn't it interesting that we want and value different things, that we hold on to things and let go of others? Uh, I, I think that much of what motivates us, though, is all the same. It just shows up in different ways in our life. I think that much of what motivates us uh, goes all the way back to the very beginning. This is a, the most quoted passage probably at Birmingham Community Church is Genesis chapter three because it tells us so much about what we are like. In Genesis chapter three, there's this amazing story about the man and the woman that God created, Adam and Eve, and he placed them in this garden to tend it and care for it um, and, and, and provided for everything for them, like everything. Eat, eat, is, eat, eat freely of the trees uh, in the garden. And, and uh, one day this, this enemy of God, this enemy of good shows up and um, begins to tempt Adam and Eve and points to the thing that God said no. Points to the tree that God said do not eat of that tree. And says, listen, did God tell you that you really couldn't have that? And it begins to break down like the argument and argue with the God who's not even there and begin to, to, to bring questions about what God has said into the mind of Adam and Eve uh, and gets to the end of this argument uh, and says, it says this in 3.6, it says, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate it and gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. God says, don't do this. And we humans look and go, yeah, but like, I mean, look at it. Why would God not want me to have that? It's good for food. Like, surely God wouldn't want to deny me a thing that's good for me. Not only is it good for food, it was a delight to Yah. Not only is it good to eat, it's beautiful. Surely God doesn't want to deny me beauty, right? Not only that, it would make me wise, 
Surely God wouldn't want to deny me wisdom. And so we, in our own mind, make up a decision to take and to eat, to have a thing that God has pro- pro- prohibited. And then this is what happens. <laughs> so great. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. What a weird next sentence. Right? Like, there's this colossal moment of disobeying God, and the result is you know that you're naked. Amazing. Uh, theologically significant that the first thing that happens when we sin is that shame enters the world. We're aware of our inadequacies. I think so much of what motivates us, and so anyway, so they, they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. I think this is the root of what motivates almost all of us all the time. Shame. How much of what we do as humans are just fig leaves covering up our inadequacies? How many of the things that we need to be, I think that, I think that so much of what we do is, is knowing that we are shameful but needing to be seen. We need to be seen, and, and we want to be validated. We want to be acknowledged as having worth. We were created to be connected to this source of infinite love. And by our own sin, we, we've broken that. So, so, so much of our life, so much of what drives us is needing to be seen, needing to be safe. So much of what we hold on to are things that we're afraid of or things that may reveal our inadequacy. And the reason that I need to hang on to my bank account and the reason I, is because it will make me okay and that's the thing that will make me safe. And if I don't have these things, people will see that I really can't take care of myself. I need people to see me as attractive. I need people to see me as smart. I need people to see me this way. Why? Because that's the way that I feel valuable and that's the way I feel validated. And so much of me, I need to communicate that to you because I need to cover my shame in that fig leaf. It's a weird space to be as a human, right? Like it's a constantly needing to be seen but constantly afraid of being seen, right? Constantly wanting to curate what people know about us because if they knew really how inadequate I am, how sinful I am, the things that I've done, what I'm actually like, if they see that, then there's no way they love me, but I really need to be seen and loved. It's a really interesting place to be as a human. And I think so much of what we do in life is just driving that. So much of who we are is, because, is, is driven by that. We want to be valued. We want to believe that we have value. We want to be seen. We want to be validated. And Jesus is teaching that that need shows up in just the craziest places. It shows up all over the place. It doesn't just show up in, in my relationships. It can show up even when I try to do good things. So he tells us about these acts of righteousness, right? How this, he says, listen, when, when you, you do acts of righteousness, so there's a righteousness, core to the Christian faith, unique to the Christian faith is that we have a righteousness by faith in Jesus being united to him, we have a righteousness, a value, a resume that is not our own that we don't deserve, right? We look at our resume and say, this is who we are and it's just Jesus' resume, right? It's amazing and a beautiful truth about Christianity. By faith, we have an alien righteousness. It is unique and beautiful. But there's also acts of righteousness. Jesus moves from talking about us needing this foreign righteousness into acts of righteousness, right? There's things that you do not to gain that righteousness, but in response to the grace and the mercy that you've been shown. Oh, I see the world now. I have been shown grace and mercy. I have been given something that I don't deserve, and now I go live that way in the world. Yeah? 
So there's things that we do in response. We're freed up to do. We're no longer held down. We're freed up to be able to do these things because of the love that we know in this relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So there's these acts of worship, acts of righteousness that we do. And so Jesus gives three very common examples at the time, right? Very common. When you give alms, when you give to the poor, almsgiving was a huge deal. It was the primary way that the poor were taken care of. It was actually compulsory in towns, like in Jewish towns. If you live there more than 30 days, they have writings later than this, but if you live there more than 30 days, you got to start giving to the poor. You got to give to the local soup kitchen. It was just compulsory. You give, that's how they were fed. That's how the poor were fed. So you, it was compulsory that you give. And he says this, he says, when you give, he expects that you're going to give, there's a way to do it right and a way to do it wrong. <laughs> that, that, that your desire to be seen, your desire to be validated can sneak in, into even these acts of righteousness. He says, when you pray, there's a way that you do it and a way that you don't do it. You can do it to be seen or not. Or you can do it in secret. And, and when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, this discipline of, uh, of, of depriving the body for a short period of time for spiritual purposes, when you do that, even our desire to be seen can sneak into that, our desire to draw attention to ourselves. So he says, when you give alms, don't do this. I think, first of all, I think this is kind of, it's a, uh, I think Jesus, it's a, it's a funny scene. Right? He says, when you give, um, don't sound trumpets. I mean, it's a silly idea, right? Like that you, like, hey, here's the deal. I'm about to give a huge check. I'm writing a huge check today. So I'm gonna hire a team of trumpet players to, uh, you're about, pretend like you don't know me, right? But stand by the box and right as I'm about to drop the check in, I need you to create a scene. So everybody, oh, me? And I want a picture of it, right? So like the, 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 the image is kind of silly, Right? He's doing it on purpose. Hey, don't, when you give, like, these people, when they're doing it, they're just, like, when they try to draw their attention to themselves, they might as well be setting off trumpets. Isn't that dumb? Why are they doing that? Don't do that. You shouldn't be like that. And the same thing when he's praying, like praying on the street corners. Like, you go and you make a big deal. Like, hey, everybody, I'm going to pray now. And it's really loud. And, and, and the, the image is, is silly of them praying on the street corners, right? And then he's like, it's a silly scene of like, hey, man, have you ever seen somebody fast and you can tell they're fasting because their face is all distorted, right? Like, like you're sitting in like, oh, 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 what's going on? I'm just fasting. Needed you to know. So I made that noise. Like, he's kind of being, making like a silly painting of how it is that we just really act. Sometimes I do clean the kitchen and my wife comes home and I really want her to notice and be like, good job, Chris. You did a good job cleaning the kitchen. You know? And what she does though, she just picks up, she walks in and goes like, this is spot. So she doesn't really do that, but I feel like she does that, right? Like I feel like she's like, you know, commenting on like, no. But she doesn't really do that. I feel that way. But, But I... No way I'm going to clean the kitchen and not get credit for that. Right? Like, I need, I need her to know. And I, I want, like, boy, good job, Chris. You did it. I want those points. Right? And we just, we're just programmed that way to desire these points. And, and God, Jesus is saying that this sneaks in even into the righteousness that we do. And here is the problem with that, he says. When it sneaks into that, this, this, this performance sneaks into it, uh, our desire to be noticed sneaks into it. What we are wanting is, we are wanting people to look at us and go, way to go, good job. Look at that person. They are righteous. And Jesus says, when we do that, <laughs> when we 
give in that way, when we pray in that way, when we fast in that way, whatever it is that we are doing as a service to God, an act of righteousness, that when we do it that way, turns out really we're not doing it for God. Our audience is actually other people. And when our audience is other people and we get their praise, we get what we earned. We get what we wanted, right? He's just saying you get what you wanted. When we give in a way for people to look at us and they praise us and go, look at that person. That person gives a lot of money. Look at that person. They teach a lot of Bible studies. Look at that person. They memorize a lot of scripture. Look at that person. They always do this and they always do that. We are doing this with an eye towards getting people to praise us and and that, that thing that we're seeking to be told that we're doing good, that validation that we want, which is really just a way of saying, hey, look at me and tell me that I'm worthy. Please love me. When we do it for an audience of other people and we get that praise, Jesus is saying, Yeah, you get what you wanted, and that's it. Why would you expect more than that? Why would you expect God to reward you for that when you didn't do it for God, you did it for the praise of others? And then he says this. He says, so, since they can sneak into our thinking and our feeling that way, here's what you should do. Here's what I want followers of mine to do. When you do acts of service for me, when you are actually giving service to me, when you're actually doing things for God, acts of righteousness for God, what I want you to do is just do it in secret. Uh, don't do it for an audience. Don't, I, he says, when you, when you give, Don't do it with lots of noise and lots of fanfare so other people think about it. But he also says this, do it so your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. I love that. I love that. Because sometimes I'll do it. Sometimes you'll do a good thing for somebody and you're like, well, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to do this for the people, so I can't really tell anybody that I did this. But you know what, Chris? You're a pretty good guy. And and I pat myself on the back because I can't get other people to pat me on the back. It's wrong. Jesus is like, stop patting your own self on the back. Like, like, just, like instead, of, instead, of, instead of doing it for even your own, the affirm, your own affirmation of, of how you feel about yourself, do this as if you have received great gifts from me and it's nothing for you to give. Now, it takes time for us to move our hearts there, by the way. I don't think that you just like all of a sudden are just like, sometimes God does that, but most of us, it's God moving us over time. And I think that not only is this the way that we're supposed to be, it's a practice on the way to getting to how we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Sometimes you're like, well, I want people to see me do this thing. And then you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. And that heart correction begins to happen. And you go, okay. So I guess I need to do this in quiet and, and not pat myself on the back. And then we do that. And then, and then what we experience then is we do this and we practice this, even though it's a little bit mechanical at first. It's not really who my heart, my heart's really not to do this out of the goodness of my heart. My heart's really to be seen. But I begin to fight that the way that Jesus is telling me to do that. What happens over time is I experience the reward that I get from God. And slowly he begins to shape my heart that way. I don't think that the, what I'm saying is this, don't wait to do things, acts of service privately till your heart gets there. Just go ahead and do it. Do it privately. God and the Holy Spirit working in your life will move your heart there. Does that make sense? A response to the experience that we have had with God then becomes the way that we live our life out. When we instead do our acts of righteousness to be seen by others, to be praised by others, we're trading something. The thing that we're looking for is not wrong. You were made to be seen. You were made to know that you have value. You were made to be deeply loved. It's how God created you. 
Genesis 1 and 2, to be in this deep relationship with him. The problem is, is that so often we are willing to trade that relationship with him, that value from him, being seen by him, being praised by our Father for something cheaper, something more fickle. And he's, Jesus is saying, don't trade something of so much more value, the reward from your Father, for the praise of people. The father who sees you, what you do in private, the, pro- the father who knows you, he will give you the reward. So much better than, no, than, than the praise of other people. That that reward is fickle, it is passing, and I constantly have to be repeating to fill it up. God isn't saying, hey, if somebody catches you giving a reward, I'm not going to give. Like, like, it's not like somebody sees you giving or somebody sees you fasting. Somebody finds out like if your stomach growls at lunch and somebody's like, what's going on with you? Like, you're fasting? And they like, figure it out? Like, that doesn't mean God's like, oh, I'm taking it away. It's about a condition of our heart, right? It's about us directing what we do, not at each other, not to be seen by others, but directing to living a life Godward. Not trading fetal, fleeting, brittle affection for the deeper love of the Father who knows what we need. Instead, do it in secret. Um, the problem is, it's just so upside down and backwards. I mean, do you hear what he's saying? What he's saying is, I know that you need to be validated, I know that you need to be seen. And the way to do that is to not draw attention to yourself. I mean, every bit of our instinct is opposite of that, right? Like, hey, I feel bad about myself. I know who I am. I feel bad about myself. I know that I'm inadequate. I know that I have all these fears. I know that I have all of these issues. I have all of these things, this this shame that fills me up. I need someone just to tell me that I'm doing well, that I'm good. And the way to get there is to not draw attention to yourself. But what I want is attention from my, I need someone to validate me. And the way that we get there is instead of drawing attention to ourselves, is instead seeking that from the Father. When we draw attention to ourselves, we get what we get. But when we do not draw attention to ourselves, when we draw on what God has given us and live a life of serving others because of what we have been given from him, that's actually the way to feel the way that we are seeking for by drawing attention, right? The way to feel like we are deeply loved is not to draw attention to ourselves. It is to live our life Godward instead of outward. I I worry sometimes uh, uh, some of this talk about uh, has come up in the last 10 years or so about self-care that I'm always mocking and I'm not sorry at all that I do that. Uh, uh, That I mock about self-care. I think think it's it's sad. I think I get upset about it because I think it's a little bit sad to, to Get to a place where you're like, you know what? I can't get others to praise me, so I'm just going to praise myself, right? Like, that's what we're doing with a lot of self-care. It's like, you know what? I deserve. I deserve a bubble bath and a glass of wine, right? Like, there's nothing wrong. I'm not anti those things. But, like, this pat on my back, like, if nobody else will do it, I'll just do it for myself. Ugh, gross, sad. So much more is offered to you. A father of infinite value, of infinite power, who wants you to come to him and learn to love the way that he is in the world. 
what you're looking for to be filled up, the reason that I'm constantly looking to, to my, my son or my wife or people to fill me up is being, because it's so fleeting and so brittle. And instead of trying to get them to tell me that I'm okay, trying to get them to tell me that I'm good, trying to get them to validate me, trying to get them to love me and fill me up, instead of looking to them, looking to my father and knowing that he has said to me that he loves me. That he loves me so much that he would die for me. Yeah? Like that kind of love that fills us up, that allows it to spill out into the lives of those around us. And I can stop looking for it all the time. It's so upside down and so backwards, but the way that he will make us more like him as is, is as we spend more time with him is a different type of reward than what we are seeking. It's a rich, deep reward of a father who loves us and desires for us to have a type of life even now that is of eternal value. So how do we have this? So um, in this prayer that he teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, there's this beautiful, beautiful opening. Our Father, Jesus, in our relationship with him, somehow gives us something of his relationship with the Father we have through him. He's our Father. Because of our relationship with Jesus, there's this amazing thing that happens that through faith in Jesus, when we unite ourselves to him, when he is our Lord, when we live for him, there's something amazing that happens where what can be said of Jesus can be said of you and me. He is the son of God. We become children of God. We have this inheritance. He has this rich inheritance from God because of what he's accomplished. That is ours as well. There's this beautiful uniting to Christ that applies to us. So what we do is we realize that he is our father who desires to give us much and has made us his children. But I also recognize that there are times when we don't feel it. (laughs) I don't feel these things. The reason I'm seeking them in other places is because the reason I'm seeking them in these other relationships and and from strangers even, the reason I'm seeking that validation is because I don't feel it. And here's what we do. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Direct your thoughts and your feelings away from the things that you will think will satisfy you and towards God who has promised you so much more than we could ever dream of. Here's what I'm saying. When we don't feel valued, we don't feel deeply loved by the Father, here's what I would say. Um, give to others with, in secret and don't tell other people. And don't seek the praise of your own self, but instead go to your Father. Seek the praise of your Father. Uh, go to him in prayer. Go shut the door. Not, not you know, shut the door. And, and, and God is present everywhere. And I think I'm a big fan of, these, uh, of prayers. You, you pass, you know, you're driving down the road and God brings a thing in, into your mind. I'm a big fan of, of praying for those things right then and there. But there's also time to shut the door to all the distractions and be still and alone with God. He answers us in those moments. He is near us in those moments. Or maybe this, we are more aware of his nearness in this moments when we shut those distractions and open our hearts and our minds to him. Do that and give and then pray and then discipline 
your, your life. Uh, find a spiritual discipline and engage in it and, and, and find someone close to you and tell them that they can help you and hold you accountable. But, but direct your thoughts and your attention Godward and expect the reward that he's promised to fill you up with the thing that you're seeking, to know that you are deeply loved, to know that he's pursued you, to know that you have this type of a life, this quality of life, this, this length of life that is eternal because of who Jesus is. When you don't feel like it, do what he's told us to do. These give and pray and, and discipline yourself, uh, seeking him and not the praise, not trying to earn from him, but knowing that your father gives. See, it's a different type of reward, right? It's not a... It's not an earning. Like if I do enough of this, he'll give me. Jesus says that right in the prayer. He's like, he says, listen, don't just stack up empty words, right? You, you, your father is eager to hear you. My son doesn't have to come to me and be like, do a bunch of tricks to get me to listen to him. I, I'm eager to listen to my son. And that is the way God is with us, eager to hear from us. We don't have to earn a hearing because we are his children by being united. Jesus, we have this hearing. So, so we go to him and we ask him and, and we don't have to seek somehow, some level. We're not earning up, earning up to get a hearing, to, to hear the reward. Instead, he rewards like a father rewards, richly, graciously, out of a desire of his heart. Not because we've earned, but because he's a good father who die, desires deeply to give richly to his children. It's a different kind of thing. We're not earning, we're just asking our Father. This is what we're called to do. This is how we're to live. The access to the rich, deep, full life, satisfied life, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are held, knowing that we're secure, knowing that we're validated. The access is not in seeking more in me, but it is in living towards God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice, that we could have this life, that we could have this access that we could never earn on our own. Thank you for shaping us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be the type of people, the type of church that lives towards God, not towards the praise of others, but seeking to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. knowing that we have in Jesus a life that we could never have dreamed of. So as we seek in all these other things in this life, God, we, we just help us confess and turn back to you because the kingdom is available to us in Jesus. Make us more like him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.